This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Hello everyone, good morning and welcome to the Morning Break show with me, Holly King-Mand. We have got some great conversation today. I'll be talking to Claire Barker. She has a wealth of experience working with Gypsy, Romano and Traveller families. So grab a cup of tea, take a seat, get ready to tune in and talk it out. This is Teachers Talk Radio and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. So welcome everybody, welcome to Teachers Talk Radio, welcome to the morning break with me Holly Kingman and like I said in the intro I am talking today about how we can close the gap for a subgroup that we rarely give a lot of time, funding and energy to and that is the Gypsy, Roma and Traveller community. Uh, now, I'm going to apologise. I'm not even sure if it needs an apology. I'm going to apologise in advance for the gentle sound of birds tweeting in the background that you might be able to hear. Um, it's such a lovely day today, isn't it? But um, I just couldn't keep the windows closed. So we may have a little bit of um, birdie interference, but I think that's entirely apt for talking about Gypsy, Roma and Traveller communities that are known for their um, their pleasure in the outdoors they're enjoying of traveling and the world and, and being outside. Um, so today I'm talking to Claire Barker. So Claire has over two decades of experience working with GRT families. She's an ex-head teacher. And in fact, she was the GRT lead in her school for a long time, in fact. So she brings such a wealth of experience and, and, uh, and, and knowledge to the conversation today. So have any of you ever taught GRT kids? Have you ever had just one in your class or in your school or have you worked in a school where there's quite a strong settled community nearby so you've got lots of GRT kids? Have you allowed for differentiating their work, maybe also your instructional teaching based on their cultural background and not just their academic ability? I know me personally, I've been guilty of doing that. I focused entirely almost entirely on their academic ability and not thought with too much time and, and attention to detail about differentiating things based on their cultural background have you found communicating with their parents challenging i know i have and have you allowed your subconscious bias to frame your approach to supporting them I think we commonly do it. It's a subconscious bias. We do. We we think back to uh, media representations of the GRT community, maybe your own experiences with them. And we do base some of our interactions on that. But most importantly, have you found um, or have you had any success in this area? What has worked? That's the important thing, isn't it? That's what we need to focus on, what works. Um, those success stories and how we can all learn from those to better support the GRT community. 
So if that's you, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear from any of you, actually, if you've worked with GRT families. Uh, you can message or uh, call into the studio today. I'd love to hear from you. Or you can tweet us at TT Radio um, 2022. Or you can tweet me at Holly's Classroom. Tune in. Be part of the conversation. Let me know your success stories. Let me know your challenges and your difficulties. Like I said, I think it's a really important conversation for us to have. So this really important conversation starts now. And now I'm joined by Claire. Claire, thank you so much for joining us on Teachers Talk Radio. Um, Claire, so you've you've got this incredible um, experience that, you know, you must have so much knowledge and experience that can feed into what we could learn about how we can best support um, Gypsy, Roman Traveller families in their education. Um, how did you come to work with this group and um, and what was that experience like for you? That, uh, I first came to work with this group in, well, I came to work with them in 2005 but wasn't actually aware that I was working with this group. Okay. That, because the school that I went to as an assistant head teacher, it was a large secondary school, the biggest ethnic minority in the school, indeed at that time probably the only ethnic minority in the school was Gypsy Roma Traveller, that, but it wasn't a recognised minority group. That, and then in 2009, the government started, it was called the GRTAP, so it was called GARTAP, the, the GARTAP project, which was a lot of money put in to support GRT pupils. Um, I was in the ladies' loo one day, as you do, and the head teacher came out and she goes, oh, I've been trying to catch you. I'm like, really? And she went, yeah, I just wanted to say to you, I'm putting you in charge of GRT. I went, okay, G&T, don't have a problem with, know exactly what that is. That arm in the middle is throwing me a little bit. What are we talking about? And she said, we're talking about Gypsy Roma Traveller. I went, okay, why do you think I know anything about GRT? And she said, well, you don't, but you'll learn. And so that was the start in 2009 uh, when I took over looking after the GRT community in the school. At that time, there were about 33 children who were ascribed, who actually said they were travellers. But within the school community, we knew we had over 100 children who had GRT background. That's really interesting that, you know, out, out of a hundred or so children, only 33 of them were identifying and recording um, themselves as part of that community. I think because it was secondary school, many of the parents didn't want to ascribe to being GRT because of worries and fears of what the consequences may be of ascribing to being GRT. So that was where my work started and really loved it. And I've been working with GRT families ever since. Amazing. Um, and what do you think makes Gypsy, Roma and Traveller families, their needs different from other subgroups? I think mainly because this is a personal view. Yeah. I think we are the most misunderstood group. Uh, the white British. So they're sort of the last bastion of racism. It's OK to have a pop at the Gypsies. Um, and I think also the press, the British press, do not do any favours to the GRT community. You very, very rarely read a positive story about any GRT family, which is so unfair because they're such a rich, diverse oh, community. 
and they do so much good within the community but it's never ever recognized you only get the bad stories yeah. that and i think that is why they're such a difficult group to engage with because they have this suspicion of you and i do believe that many teachers have a fear of working with the GRT community because of the press and possibly because of personal experience within their growing up as well. I think that does influence and I think it's breaking down those barriers to gain that respect of both sides for each other to get the very best out of the relationship. Definitely. It's not always, not always easy, but then it's not always easy working with any parent. Yeah, they, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're, all, they're all difficult in their own ways, aren't they? absolutely and i think the thing with traveler parents is um many of them aren't well educated so when you try and have a conversation with them and you cover it all up with pink and fluffy language and educational language the message gets missed so it's learning to be very direct the traveler parents are very direct and they appreciate that back you've been direct back that they can understand and they can question and if there's something about the culture you don't understand it's literally just saying i don't understand this don't want to cause offense but can i just ask you and they'll go absolutely you can just ask the question and you'll get the answer yeah and For they're also fiercely proud of of their culture aren't they so proud so proud of it and so so willing to share it if you're interested to learn we did um when i worked for mtas we did a project about growing up bags which is about sex ed where it taught both girls and boys about body changes but not why their body was changing we actually wrote the scheme of work with two traveler mums so we knew it was very acceptable but when i was doing that there were questions i had to ask that i had no idea whether it was acceptable to ask or not. And I was having to ask these traveler mums, for example, I didn't know about tampons, whether that would be an acceptable or not acceptable discussion to have with the children. And for these two particular mums, I asked them, and they went, oh, no, please don't, don't even go there. And I said, so I don't put them in the growing up bag. She said, absolutely not. But, but that was something I just didn't know. And I had to ask and just asking them, you get you get the direct answer. And it, 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 it's funny you should say that because um, speaking to um, a family friend many years ago and um, she was um, a settled Roma woman um, in her late 50s. And she said that her dad had come round to her house and he'd come down from the toilet really cross and grumpy. And she was like, what's the matter, dad? What are you, calm down, why are you so upset? And he said, you've left your sanitary towels out. I can see that you've got sanitary towels. And she, she said, you know, I, I, I forgot how um, unacceptable that is in my community to, you know, have yeah. things like a box of sanitary towels on the side in the bathroom. And, you know, Absolutely. even think that that would be so, um, offensive to yeah i mean for the men to be exposed to any of that is just so so no <laughs> it just doesn't happen yeah so there's lots that we need to learn i think isn't there even these yeah. tiny little things can make you know you, you wouldn't even comprehend that being an issue and if there's if there's that yeah. tiny issue there must be so many that we just don't know about oh absolutely it's things like if you've got a young teacher who's pregnant and wants to share that with the class 
if you have a traveller child in the class whose parents do not want them to know anything about pregnancy and sex and then that can be a real issue and you can actually get children being pulled out of education because of it right. the, so it, it is the school being aware and having the conversation with the traveller parent to say look I am pregnant what do you want your child to know the, because yeah. many many travellers not all travellers but many travellers uh, bring their children up to believe that the babies are bought and the children save up their silver while the mum's just getting fatter and fatter because nobody mentions the word pregnancy or expecting but they know there is going to be a baby and they're going to buy the baby so when mum goes into hospital she um tells the midwives that the children will be coming in and they will give them silver to buy the baby so could they just put it in the hospital charity we had one child in one school where she took the mum's marks and spencer's card or sparks card <laughs> <laughs> so she was looking for our points as well better class of baby that was <laughs> and is that across um sort of all age groups or do they get to a certain age where they're obviously at secondary school they know but they still won't acknowledge many of them will still not acknowledge some will it depends on the parents and how progressive the parents are the if it's open or not open we're starting to find now that some of our younger travelers the parents are much the younger traveler mums are much more open with their children and tell them more yeah. but a lot of your traditional families it's still a taboo subject still a no-no mm. you just do not talk about it I must imagine. Um, I must imagine that's quite difficult for some schools. Um, if you think about um, other communities in the school, that um, I know some. Uh, it's been widely reported in the news that some Muslim um, families didn't want um, uh, LGBT topics to discussed in front of their children. So it must be really hard for schools to manage that you know well we're saying to Muslim families well your children you know are going to have access to this you know perspective in their in their learning but then also having to deal with their gypsy roma traveler children that are not to learn about certain aspects of the world as well it must quite be. honest many of the muslim beliefs and the traveler beliefs go hand in hand so many of the traveler parents have issues with the relationship education as well oh really yeah and I'm actually working on that at the minute with some colleagues to try and come up with some resources that will be acceptable for we are doing it mainly for the traveler community, for the traveler community. So we're working with uh, traveler mums at the minute to see what would be acceptable to them, what wouldn't be acceptable. And I have been quite surprised at just how much they're allowing us to be acceptable. Really? Yeah, yeah, they've really surprised me. And um, what we plan to do is to replicate this book for other cultures as well we will do one that's specifically grt yeah that and um, but we will do another one that is virtually the same but more applicable to other cultures lovely so it's great that you can use everything that you've learned and all the work that you're doing to work with other specialists and other agencies to you know help all, all communities across the school yeah. it's really rewarding to do that I think the most important thing is that it's not our thoughts and values, but we are getting the traveller family's thoughts and values. And when you're trying to use the resource, like our grown up bag, when we try to use that resource with parents, 
it was really important to see two traveller mums wrote this with us. And they say, which two traveller mums? And everybody knows everybody. It doesn't matter whereabouts you are, they can all trace it back. That, um, and you mentioned the two, oh, it's okay then, we'll use it. It's okay if they did it. So I think it's really, really important to have that involvement. And we're being very, very careful that we've got a Romani input, an Irish traveller input, and a showman input. So we're looking at three of the communities. So it's not just so as like the showman can't say, oh, well, that's a Romani view, or the Romanis can't say, oh, well, that's showman, that we're making it yeah. that it's very inclusive of all three communities. Lovely. Um, so going back to the, the start of your career, career, what did traveller education support look like back then? When I started, it didn't. No, nothing. <laughs> that we were very lucky that we had an ethnic minority and traveller achievement service in the county that I worked in. Okay. Uh, and the traveller service was very, very good. And they used to come in and support me a lot, so much so that I think eventually they thought it would be cheaper just employing her. So I moved over and worked for them. That um, and they were very good at coming in and explaining to me and helping me, um, helping me understand the communities and how to work with them and how best to get to improve the outcomes for their children, because. In 2009, the reason they brought out this GRTAP project, achievement project, was because GRT children are the lowest achieving group of children in England and Wales. They had been for decades. They pumped in all this money in 2009. Didn't last long. I think it was gone by 2011. Um, and if you look today, it's still the same picture. GRT children are still the lowest attaining group of pupils across England and Wales. Are they still performing as poorly now as they were then? Has, has the work that's been done made any impact? Not really. No. Not really. And that that's where it's really, really sad. I mean, some schools have a fantastic success rate and their GRT pupils go through on, do their GCSEs, do really well. And we're seeing more and more GRT children going into further education and higher education. Um, there is this new Thing for universities called the pledge i don't know if you've heard of it that um and that is where there's money being put in to try and get ethnic minority with a focus on grt okay. into universities and help support them into universities and there's going to be a lot of work getting done in the secondary schools to try and raise the aspirations of these ethnic minority groups especially the grt groups yeah, well, I mean, my next question was going to be, uh, do you think we've come far enough over the years to support travellers? Do, do you think that we're, we've, we're doing enough? No, no, absolutely, definitely not. <laughs> uh, I think there's, there's lots of reasons why your GRT children don't perform as well as other children. Many of them have had a disrupted educational experience just by the nature of the beast. They're travellers, they go travelling that so they're not always around so attendance is an issue um it very much depends on the educational experiences of their parents and indeed grandparents and extended family if they've had a poor experience they don't always see the necessity for sending their little ones into school and I, I think many we see that across a lot of subgroups don't we that's, yes that's yes across many of them yeah. The, the, many of the young GRT parents are very aware it's a changing world 
and they want their children in school, but they have to fight against the elders who are saying, well, we didn't go to school, you didn't go to school, didn't do you any harm. You know, we're all fine. So why are you pushing my grandchildren into school? You do it. So, and then as soon as everything goes wrong in school, that's usually, it's not a disaster is wrong. It's something that can be quite easily ironed out and sorted, but sometimes that's where the communications break down and schools aren't always as flexible as they could be towards the community and the children get pulled out of school and that is really really sad that um so the educational disadvantage of parents is a biggie because schools can represent a not happy place for them and a scary place where language is going to be used that they don't understand and you're going to send home letters that can't be read and yeah, it's just schools. Really the big thing as well, isn't it? You know, school trips. Schools uh, just having school that plays, Yeah. So tricky to the, so engage them in the, the school experience. Parent mail is a bit better because sometimes now you can get in text and things where you can audio enable it so the parents can audio and listen to it. Um, but if it comes in a letter, it's just the school having the understanding, the phoning home and saying, oh, there's a letter in Jack's bag. You know what Jack's like, he'll never get the letter out of the bag for you. This is what it says. All you got to do is sign the bottom and we need £10 for the trip. Yeah. So, you know, it's just having that sensitivity to acknowledge that this is going to be an issue for this family. Yeah. And to be able to just help and support them. Homework, if it's a home, with very low literacy in it. Homework's a huge issue. Many traveller families believe if I've sent my child to school all day, there's no way they're doing schoolwork at home. They've got chores they have to do. They've got the animals they have to see to. They have to help me with the little ones. No way they're doing more of your schoolwork. You've had them for six hours. Yeah. So then the children- learn within their own culture as well, haven't they? All of their yes. trades Absolutely. and- Absolutely. Their... Absolutely. Then the children go into school and they're penalised because they haven't done the homework because they couldn't necessarily access it. If you say to a child, have you got a computer? Can you access the work? They'll say yes, because they can get it on their mobile phone. But they never ask, do you have a printer? Yeah. <laughs> and the chances that they haven't, if they're on site, the chances of them having broadband are quite slim. Mm. So where are they actually going to be doing this homework? And do you want them to do their homework on a phone? You know, it's not really conducive. Yeah, and it's not so easy to do it on a on a phone, is it? You know, no. sitting down, typing up a story, for example, is is not that easy on an yeah. iPhone. And it's just having that awareness that these children don't always have this. And also, if you're in a home that's not a very literacy based home, there's not going to be pens and pencils and reading material and a dictionary and all those things lying about. And for traveller families, there's this rule of mockery which is a hygiene and cleanliness rule. And things like pencils, colouring pens, felt tips, glue, glitter, anything that you make pretty pictures with, all those things, they're seen as unclean within the home. Okay. So, so many traveller families won't have that at home. So the children aren't able to do like their homework. And if they're living in a trailer with a large family, where's the quiet space? Yeah. For going and doing homework. You know, so there, there are so many, there's so many boundaries for traveller children for something as simple as homework. And at school, just being flexible and running a homework club or giving these children, 
if they're at secondary school, is there a subject they could be taking out of for one period a week to do the homework? You know, it's just having that flexibility to work with the communities and an understanding of the communities. Because it's not necessarily the children not wanting to do their homework. It's being able to, able to do yeah. it, time and space and, yeah. and materials and support and, and the whole sort of package. Um, this is this is really, really interesting, Claire. We're just going to pop to the news briefly um, before we come back and talk a little bit more about um, what we can do to close the gap. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.witherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you. Created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics, Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The programme offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Collins Big Cats. To find out more, follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram or join a free briefing by visiting littlewondelettersandsounds.org.uk Introducing Bulb. With evidence-based learning at the forefront of education, let Bulb digital portfolios help reshape your educational practice. Bulb helps teachers teach and learners learn. Bulb is an easy-to-use, fully accessible digital platform that captures students' digital learning assets in one place, allowing them to evidence their learning and reflect on their growth. Our dedicated team of education specialists are on hand to ensure that Bulb fits seamlessly into all of your teaching practices. Come take a look and get a free account at bulbapp.com. Introducing Autism Aspirational Futures, a virtual SEN conference for parents and carers. Do you work with parents or carers of students with autism? If so, this free virtual conference from Witherslack Group can support them and you. Providing inspiring talks from leading experts, offering practical advice on supporting children and young people with autism and associated needs. This very special event will take place during Autism Acceptance Week and is sure to be an enjoyable occasion for everyone wanting to develop their knowledge, understanding and celebrate their children's amazing superpowers. Don't miss out! Register for free at witherslackgroup.co.uk today. Witherslack Group, the leading provider of schools and children's homes for children with special educational needs. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. Research which was carried out by the National Day Nurseries Association has found that 95% of nurseries in England don't have enough to cover basic costs following the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic. Nursery finances will face further squeeze in April as a result of soaring heating and electricity bills, a further 
1.6% rise in the national living wage and a 1.25% rise in national insurance. Emma White, owner of two private nurseries in Suffolk, said, Most of our staff are on minimum wage or above, and these payment increases are so well deserved. They have worked all the way through COVID. What makes it difficult for us is that they are not being mirrored in the amount the government gives us and they are expecting nurseries to take the hit personally when there is very little left to pay themselves. We have had to keep doors and windows open in the nursery for ventilation because of COVID, which means the heating has to be kept on. Within months, our heating bill has gone up by a third and will go up again in April. A government spokesperson said, the early years of a child's life are the most crucial, which is why we have invested more than £3.5 billion in each of the last three years to deliver the free childcare offers, including the 30 hours a week for working parents. John Beattie, former Scotland rugby star, has slated Scottish teaching unions for being responsible for Scotland not being better at rugby than other parts of the UK. He said, we are a small rugby playing country. Teacher strikes in the 70s and 80s, I think killed off much sport in schools in Scotland. His comments followed six Scotland team players being disciplined for a post-match trip to an Edinburgh pub after their Six Nations victory over Italy in Rome on March the 12th. John Beattie's comments have prompted a healthy debate about the direction Scottish rugby should take and come despite the last teacher strikes in Scotland being in 1985 to 86, in protest at pay and cuts by the Tory government under Margaret Thatcher. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I'm going to look at technology and supporting us getting lunch. Why? Because I asked every teacher I met last week if they had lunch regularly, and most of them said no. The reason being, they're too busy most days. Now, right off the bat, I'm not going to discuss any types of diet. This is just about getting lunch. Simple ways to get calories in to power the body. As always, I've tested these things out for you and added my humble opinion. First, and with zero extra cost, using the technology of the freezer. You can freeze a sandwich. I quite like this idea as it stopped me eating a sandwich in the car on the way to a school. If I know a sandwich is there, it calls to me. It calls to me. It, calls it being frozen meant a hat to wait. The downside is making the sandwich. However, throwing 10 slices of bread down, adding filling and then into a Ziploc bag would be quite easy on a Sunday evening. You might need quite a bit of space in your freezer though. Next, I used the trusty thermos mug and noodles. I thought it was a good idea, but unlike a sandwich that you can eat on the go, I needed a fork and then had to consider not dripping it on my tie, so I actually had to stop and eat. So not as simple as a frozen sandwich, but I did have a hot lunch. Now hold on to your hats. I tried this again. I did enjoy a hot lunch, so I smashed the noodles up before I put the water in the second time around. That day, I drank my lunch. No need to find a fork, lid off, quick swig of noodles, 
genius. The downside I can see is washing the mug. I know I'll find it on the draining board waiting to be washed when I want to get out the door. Finally I tried a snack bar. You can get these quite cheap online and you can find them to match most dietary needs. It was definitely the easiest option but would be the most expensive over time. For me it didn't feel as lunch-like if I was being totally honest but it did the job of rapid calorie input on the go. So in conclusion if you're not having lunch why not try one of these ideas? You will definitely feel better for it. P.S. I googled International Lunch Day and it actually exists however it's on the 10th of March so we've missed it. Gutted. As always don't forget to check out the TT Radio 2022 Twitter feed. Tell us what you have for your lunch. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Welcome back. Um, some great tips there for uh, getting the, getting the crucial calories in so that you can get on with uh, with the day. If you did not listen live, if we go back for I think it was to um, sometime in January, um, I did a show on how teachers can look after themselves. Um, how they can provide themselves with a bit of self-care so that they can be in the best possible position to do a great job. So some of the the tips there from Two Minute Tech, I I, I definitely support those. Um, but do go back and listen to that that show about teacher wellness um, for some extra tips too. So. Welcome back from the news. I'm still here with Claire and we're talking about how we can best support GRT families. So we've had a really interesting conversation so far and we have been talking about ways that we can help support those families and those children in their education. But what do you think the government need to to do and, and LEA, LEAs, what do they need to do to help close this gap with this lowest attaining group? I think the first thing for both government and LEA is the awareness training. To understand, to understand the communities, the communities and, to and to understand the barriers, the barriers to, learning to learning in order, in order to, be to be able to put structured help in. in. The main, the main thing, thing that is the biggest barrier, barrier to, learning to learning is a lack of literacy. And until a child's literacy is of a good standard, they cannot access the education. So it is looking at literacy programmes for GRT children. Uh, counties like Hampshire, they do do a reading ambassador scheme for GRT children and showman children. They've got beautiful badges designed by the children, one for GRT and one for showman. And it literally involves uh, a buddying system of reading with another child for five minutes every single day. So a child is heard reading for five minutes every day. And from this was pre-COVID, the initial research we did when we ran it in two schools, the GRT children that were supported in this way, and it was supported by older GRT children with really good reading skills, who were the mentors for the younger ones. They made three years progress in one year in their reading. Wow. And wow, that then, that's amazing. It was fantastic. It then impacted onto their other subjects because they could access them, because they could read them. So maths, they could actually read and understand the questions. So the literacy had impacted onto their maths. So the whole learning experience was impacted upon. And I really think the government and LEAs 
should put money into improving the literacy of GRT children because that is the key that is going to unlock learning Absolutely. for those children. And not just for those children, but for future generations, because the, the, issues, the barriers that the parents are facing, if we can nail literacy with the children when they become parents, yeah. that's a barrier that we've taken away. The, the other the other biggie and it follows on from the literacy is if a child only stays in primary education they only have literacy up to year six and we really need them to have it beyond so it's working on transition and retention are the other big issues of how you can work in that and um again i, I can only speak from hampshire in task point of view because that's who i worked with they do a big transition program in year five six to get the children into secondary school and they are having a good success rate of getting more children into secondary school now working on retaining them in secondary school and are starting to make an impact and we're seeing more of the children going through to year 11. Oh, the, that's and quite unheard of really yeah to, to we are starting to um one boy last year a grt child got a first class honours in music and business um went through a scholarship route, first in his family to go to university. Wow. First of all, really, really proud of him. Oh, Claire, yeah. all my hairs are standing on end hearing yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, well, it's just lovely. The other thing, uh, I say I'm a bit promoting Hampshire here, but if you go into the Hampshire website, they actually have a part on their website called Kushti Careers. Okay. And if you go to Kushti Careers, there's three Romani gypsies. At the moment, we've only been able to speak to three Romani gypsies. One is that boy, Lewis. And there's also um, two girls, Tanya and Leona. And Tanya is a senior sister in infection prevention. And she um, is a Roman Gypsy. And Leandra, she is uh, she manages an SEN unit, a specialist unit in a primary school that and again is a Roman Gypsy. So it's just trying to raise the aspirations. Yeah, of children they see those role models, don't they? Because we see children are gypsies and proud yeah but it hasn't stood in the way of them going where they want to go but they do talk about family feeling towards them going to university they, so it's quite interesting to see but i think the government and leas need to put money into literacy transition and retention they are the three main areas excellent well, let's hope that someone hears this and, um, and it happens. Um, so we have spoken about some practical tips to do with sort of homework and, and letters and things like that. Um, but can you give classroom teachers any other practical tips on how they can best support if they've got a GRT child in their class? What practical things can they do to make a difference? First one is just check your subconscious bias. Yeah, if you know. If we know that some of the ch this child in your classroom, we know that their big brother and sister didn't go into secondary school, that so what's the point? Have you got that attitude? Or I want this one to be the one that goes on to secondary school. I'm really going to give it my all. That so just checking that you are not biased towards past experience. <clears throat> also, if this child goes traveling, that is part of their culture. What are you doing to support them when they're traveling? Are you giving them a distance learning pack, which as a school you're obligated to do? In this distance learning pack, have you made it easy 
for the family to send work back to you on a weekly basis? Have you put in, if they're going away for six weeks, have you put in six stamped addressed envelopes, all numbered, with 12 worksheets, maths and English, all numbered, week one, week two, week three, so they can put them back in and send them to you? Have you put in some postcards, blank postcards, that the child can write and tell you about where they're going and what they're doing, and draw a picture and send it back to the class, so as they stay an active member of your classroom? That's important, and that's a lovely <laughs> Really important. Have you given them a journal, just a notebook, that they can keep, that they can stick things in, they can draw things, they can tell you all about their experiences and where they've been, and can share with the class when they come back? They, <coughs> have you have you given them reading books? Now, I know some schools have the attitude, well, if we give them reading books, we're never going to get them back. However, if you look in your library and you've got some books that you're going to be taken out, <coughs> could you then give them to the family? That if they've got IT connections, have you given them like YouTube things that they can watch to help their education? Is there a maths program they could be doing? Is there a literacy like number blocks and things that they could do? GCSE bite size? There's so many things can do, but it is your duty as a classroom teacher to have that pack ready for them to go. Yeah. So one of the main things again the, is having a name GRT lead in the school, someone responsible. And they will probably keep packs for every year group, term by term. So as if the family give you no notice, you can literally tweak it out and hand it to them. Yeah. If they give you up to 48 hours notice, you can make it more personalised to that child. But no child should go travelling without a pack to help support them. Excellent. <coughs> and um, uh, Melanie is a teacher in Dorset. She's um, messaged into Teachers Talk Radio today to say that her school have... Um, They've got some funding to use specifically for GRT families and she wants to know what you think is the 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 best use of it should they pour it into specific yeah. children or in some way support the community what, what would be a good way to use some specific funding well I'm mega impressed that somebody's got funding for GRT children <laughs> that's just amazing that's not something we hear often that with this money I would say the to me, the most important thing for the GRT cultures and families is having a named person in school that they can contact at any time. I'm not going to say it's an easy job. It's not, but it's a rewarding job. And you do get the relationship with the families and you build up a trust. And that is so important to have that trust with the family. And they have this one person that they know and they trust and they can come to. So if you're going to put some money into staffing, I would definitely make it a named person. The other thing that I think is really important is making sure if you're, a, you're obviously a school that has a number of GRT children, if you're getting funding for it, is, is your environment GRT friendly? Is there anything in your environment that would make you think, oh, we have GRT children in this school that, and they're very welcome. In your reception, do you have traveler times? sitting on the table. Do you send out traveller times to your traveller parents every every term I think it comes out? Do you send that out to your parents? The, your library, do you have GRT resources? Do you have books about the GRT community? And when you're buying those, just be really careful 
that they are that there's no bias in them and that they're given the right message about GRT. So books um, in primary school, if you're a primary school, books by the author Richard O'Neill are absolutely fantastic. But there are some secondary books. I can't remember the name of the author, but it's a lady and she's written four books and they're all children's names. One's Jason, and one's Bane. Um, they're fantastic, really good books. Only annoying thing is there's no capital T at Traveller or capital G at Gypsy, and that's my real bugbear. But making sure your library has is influenced by GRT. One of the things I would say is really important is to have a coffee event with your GRT parents and actually ask them what they would like to see the school doing and give them a voice. And if at all possible, try and encourage one of your GRT parents to come onto your governing body and have a voice in the actual management and running of the school, because that is so valuable. That would be so, so good. Yeah, doesn't happen often, does not happen often, but it is such a valuable, valuable thing to do. And just make sure that if, if teachers um, have a traveller child in a class, they just think about their curriculum and how can they covertly put in about GRT so supposing they were doing a bit insulation and they're looking at detached houses, semi-detached houses, flats, igloos, trailers, chalets, you're just putting those into so that child feels included. If you're doing maths and you're looking at area, could it be the area of a fairground or the area of a site and subdividing it into plots? Could you work it in that way? Could you do about money and show rides? That there's just so many ways that you can bring in about GRT. When you're looking um, in secondary school, if you're looking at the Holocaust, don't forget to look at Poriamus, which is the Great Devouring, which is the Roma Holocaust that happened during World War II. Don't forget it. Mm. That in primary schools, when you're looking at um, heroes of World War I and II, were there any GRT heroes in World War I or II? Have your traveller kids got any stories to tell? We did this in one secondary school and this little boy brought in his great grandfather's flying jacket. Wow. That, and was able to tell and he had medals and everything that the mum brought in to let the history class see. And, and it, it was just so... That's lovely. Yeah. And that sort of engagement is, I mean, that's such a good step forward to keeping those kids in education. Absolutely. And at GCSEPE, don't forget the sports these children do outside school that, and ask them about them because they won't necessarily share it with you. So you have to ask them about it and find out about it because many of them are members of sports clubs. A lot of boys obviously are into boxing. Yep. But many of them play rugby and football. Golf seems to be a big hit at the minute. So it's having those conversations because it can count towards our coursework as well. So you know, it's really worthwhile having these conversations with them. You know, and if you're a dance teacher, uh, look up Romany Stepping. That you, um, if you Google it and YouTube, the videos are amazing. And this actually was a male sport. And traditionally it was a male sport and the men used to win uh, like the big boxers belts and a joint of meat really? so in secondary schools sometimes you come up against traveler boys saying i'm not doing dance but that's a girls i'm not doing that but if you can show them the stepping and show them that you know actually 
got a chance of winning them round. got a chance of winning them round. There's so many ways that you can bring it into your curriculum as well. And just, um, I'm not sure, Dorset, if you have a name task or not, that, but it is looking for somebody that can do cultural awareness training for you and come in and do cultural awareness training for the school because it's so eye-opening and enlightening and it really gives you an insight and understanding into the pupils in front of you and the parents. So it is well worth getting in contact with someone mm. that can do that training. And I, I think from, you know, the, the fascinating conversation that we've had today, I think all teachers need to to listen to this this show today and learn. I mean, it's a one hour snippet, but what great tips you've given and, and some great background and um, it's I think it's going out there and 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 listening to other voices and listening to experts and and not forgetting that GRT are their own community that we don't like you said at the, at the beginning we don't really understand them very well most teachers um, and if we can better understand them then we can better support them and I think it is just realizing we're all human yeah and you give respect, you'll get respect there. And they're such a rich and engaging community to work with. Yeah. Have, you, have you really enjoyed working with them in your career? I absolutely love working with the traveller communities. It's, I see it's not always easy, but more times than not, it really is. And I can honestly say that some of the best laughs in my teaching career has been with the traveller families because they are just they are just so engaging. Lovely, lovely. This has been so inspiring, Claire. We, for, for those of you that are listening live during the news, uh, Claire and I were talking and I said I've been inspired to go and um, do some work with the local community here in Leighton Buzzard and see if I can help and do some reading and, and things like that. So if you've listened to the show today and you're feeling quite inspired, um, find out where your local GRT or traveller support groups are and, and see what you can do to help or even just go and see what you can learn, I think, is is the message. Um, Claire, thank you so much for your time today. It's been It's been wonderful. Thank you. Thank you, Holly. Wow. It's an... Isn't Claire so inspiring and so knowledgeable? Um, I, like I said, I really have been have been inspired to go out there now and and do something for this this subgroup that are the lowest attaining subgroup. I don't know why we're not doing more. Um, well, we could probably do a whole other show about why we're not doing more for this subgroup, but um, we are where we are. So, if you've enjoyed listening to today's show, don't forget. The morning break show tomorrow is being hosted by Dorian Brown. He's going to be talking to Alex Catallo from Sustainability Education and John Cannings, who's a sustainability and education specialist and consultant. And they're going to be talking about empowering schools to take significant steps with sustainability. So do go and tune into that show tomorrow. Or if you are watching these by um, by catch up so to speak um then you can still find that show and there are other great shows that you might have missed as well including in fact a great one last night uh, was the twilight show with nathan ginn um maybe you listened live and you heard it but if not do go back and have a listen 
he was talking to Alison Blackmore. She's the head of head of Changing Lives Through Horses program, and uh, David O'Driscoll, who um, runs the Baxter Project, which is a well-being dogs in schools project um, that's working in Wales at the moment. And they were talking about whether animals can make a difference in a student's life. I would say yes. I'm a massive dog lover, though, so. Um, I would definitely support the idea of having more animals in school. And in fact, if you go back to my show from Halloween week in 2021, um, I was speaking to an exotic pet specialist about um, whether having spiders and snakes and lizards and stick insects and such like in schools were a good idea. So that might be a good show to go back to if that's something that interests you too. So, I won't be here next week, unfortunately. Um, I won't be here for the morning break next Thursday, the 31st of March, because it's my youngest daughter's first birthday. So poor little thing. She's, she's had me um, back at work rather early on in my imaginary maternity leave, which didn't ever really happen because I'm self-employed and run my own business. So I thought it only fair that I dedicate the whole day to her and spending good quality time with her. So I won't be with you next week, but the week after that, I will be back and I will be talking about character education. It's not just a fad. It's actually really important, really interesting. I'm going to be speaking to schools that have been recognised as um, schools of character sounds quite an impressive accolade and um, I'll also be talking to specialists and character education leads and really getting the insight into what it is why it's important how your school can adapt some of the um, elements and and ideas of character um, into your into your not just your school ethos but into your school's everyday life but that's it for me today. I hope you've enjoyed this conversation. I hope it has inspired you to go out there and, and do something. Um, let me know. I'd love to hear. Let me know what you think. You can find me on Instagram. It's at hollies underscore classroom. On Twitter, it's at hollies classroom. And if you like good old fashioned Facebook, soon to be meta, then you can come over to Facebook and find me. It's um, Holly King Mand, English with Holly. Have a lovely evening, a lovely week. The weekend's here. We've finally got some nice weather. Relax. The holidays will soon be upon us. See you in two weeks. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.